I want to be very upfront with you today. I want to be very real with you today, and I want to be completely forthcoming this morning as I tell you today that living as a disciple of Jesus Christ is hard. Living as a disciple of Jesus Christ is tough. It is a difficult, difficult thing. It is a costly thing, and in the truest sense of the word, it is hard. Now, many today are not being honest about this. Many today are painting a very different picture of Christian discipleship. And and many today are painting a picture of discipleship where following Jesus is some circus-like event. Or maybe it's some walk in the park complete with cotton candy and pony rides. And, And I'll tell you, these folks are doing a disservice to the body of Christ. They are hurting would-be disciples because the truth is it is hard. It is hard to live in a sinful world. It is hard to live in the midst of the enemy's camp. It is hard in these days to exist as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the truth. It is a hard thing to walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yet, with that truth, in that truth, the Bible tells us that we are to be steadfast, that we are to be immovable, that we are to to hold on to our faith, that we are to endure. Over and over again, the Bible tells us as Christians we are to endure. Well, the question is, how do we do that? How are we to do that? If you endeavor to live as a disciple of Christ, it is a hard thing. It is a tough thing. How is it that we would be steadfast? How is it that we would endure as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, here's the truth today. Living out our Christian faith in these days, living as a disciple of Jesus Christ and staying encouraged in that really comes down to a matter of perspective. It's really a matter of perspective. Now, what that means is we have to have and we have to keep And we have to encourage in others that perspective. It's all about perspective. If if we're going to endure, if we're going to be steadfast in our faith, it's a matter of our perspective. Now, let me give you an example this morning. I could give you several, but let me give you this example. Think about this morning, Bill and Faye Ballou. Over a year ago, Coach Ballou goes in for a stint the procedure, he's there in Dallas, goes haywire, and, and some complications pop up, and things go bad, it seems. Uh, I get a call, and, and we hear what's going on. I drove down there. It was about 11 o'clock at night when I got down there, and I came in that evening. I go to the, the CCU, and I walk in, and he's laying there on a table. It's not a, it's not a bed. It's not really about comfort, and he's laying there on the table, and he's all hooked up to, to full life support, and he's laying there. And as I walk in, in my mind, it had just been a few weeks since my dad had died, and I saw him laying there on the table, and I thought, he's gone. He has died. I think he's dead. He's already gone. Sorry, I thought you were gone. (laughs) He wasn't dead, of course. Long process begins, a heart transplant. 
all the things that go along with that, months of staying in the hospital and, and trips back and forth to doctors and all unexpected things, and, and they walk through a hard, hard time. Then this year, about the time it seems that he's ahead of the curve, Faye finds out she has cancer. And now she's in the middle of her treatment, and I'll just tell you what the treatment is. It's junky. It's a junky treatment. You can, we can say whatever it is. It's a tough, tough thing. It's a junky treatment. And then I want to tell you this, and it's been a private thing, but I decided to tell you, through all of that, and I'm talking about all of that, through all of that, almost every Saturday or Sunday or many times both, Faye has texted me many times from the hospital in Dallas to encourage me and to tell me how she's praying for me and for my wife, and for my kids, and for our services on Sunday. How in the world do you do that? Who in the world can do that? How do you do that? I want to tell you today, it really is a matter of perspective. Well, today in our verses, Jesus is going to show us that perspective, and we're going to see that we could understand and that we would embrace that perspective. And so we're going to see that today. We're in Luke chapter 18 Today, verses 28 through 30. Luke chapter 18, today, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand there and reverence the reading of God's word. And Peter said, Behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful for a rock. I'm thankful for a foundation. I'm thankful for a, a Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for a hope that endures. I'm thankful for a peace given to sinners. I'm thankful for eternal life through Jesus Christ. I, I come today and I pray as we hear your word that we would hear your perspective, that we would embrace the perspective that we're to have as disciples of Jesus Christ. I pray that in that we would be encouraged in that we might be renewed, in that some here who do not know Christ, they might find Christ for the very first time. Lord, we do tell you how much we love you, and we do come today to worship you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the context of our verses today, Jesus has just had the conversation with the rich young ruler. Remember the young man who had wealth. He, he had position. He had those at a very young age. He, he had, the Bible tells us, a religious understanding. He had a religious practice. And the Bible tells us that he had approached Jesus and asked him how to have eternal life. This young man comes and he asked Jesus, how is it that I would inherit eternal life? Now, if you remember, the young man had a faulty view of sin. And because he had a faulty view of sin, he had a false security in his salvation. And really the truth is, 
He was content. He was satisfied in his religious state. Even though he was lost, he was comfortable. He was content in his religious state. Well, in that conversation, Jesus points him to the truth. Jesus says, to have eternal life, you must give up all of that and you must turn away from that and you must follow me. He tells them, you're not going to be able to put your faith in those things, but you're going to have eternal life by placing your faith in Jesus Christ and following him fully. Now, the Bible says at that point that this young man became exceedingly sad because he was exceedingly rich. And the gospel accounts tell us this young man then walked away. It is then that Jesus says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That is the context. Here is the point of all of that. The point of all of that is this. People become content in their lostness. People become content, comfortable in their lost state. And for, for whatever the reason is, maybe it's their wealth, maybe it is their selfish desires, maybe it is a false religious practice, but people are satisfied, they are content in their lost state. Don't we really feed that? Isn't, isn't that really what we do? Don't we most of the time try to, to console people and comfort people there in the brokenness of their sin instead of in truth and in love pointing them to the Savior for their sin, Jesus? Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a false idea of compassion, but isn't, isn't that what we do? We, we try to come along and make you feel comfortable in your sin. We try to console you in the repercussions of your sin instead of pointing you to Jesus, who is the Savior for sinners. Well, today, following that conversation, Peter speaks up. And that leads us to our three verses today. Beginning in verse 28. Peter said, behold, we have left our homes and followed you. Peter said, behold, we have left our homes and followed you. Now, I do not know what prompted Peter to say this. Maybe, maybe it just came out of him. Maybe he just blurted it out. We read in scripture that is his personality. But, but maybe he hears Jesus tell this young man, you have to leave all of that stuff and you have to follow me. And maybe it just comes out of him. He says, that's what we've done. Or maybe he needs reassurance. I do not know why he says it, but he says, behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. Now see this this morning. See the depth of what Peter says here. See how huge really this is. It is hard to put into an English understanding. He says, we have left our own homes. Own homes is actually one Greek word. It is the word idios. It is from the Greek word idios in the New American Standard Version of the Bible. The Bible, the translation that we use, it is translated our own homes. In the New International Version, it is translated all we had. 
in the King James Version, it says we left all. The word actually means this. It is a very personal word, and it actually means this. It means one's own. One's, plural, one's own. We left one's own. Now, it is very deep, but we need to see this today. He says what we left, we left what was ours and all that that means. We left what made us ours. We left what made us distinctive. Now, that, that couldn't tell a whole lot of things, but he's saying here we left our people, we left our property, we left our homes, we left our dreams. It even means we left ourselves and we have left it all. We have left one's own. Now, what would that look like? Think about the example of Peter. He left his fishing business his family business. Not only that, he left his dad, he left his family. He left his plans. He left whatever future that he was securing there with his family and with his business. And, and, and really whatever made Peter, Peter, he dropped all of that. And on the day that Jesus calls him, when he drops the fishing nets, those are the things that he dropped. He left all of it and he followed Jesus. And when he left all of it, he didn't try to hold a piece of it back. He didn't try to snare a part of it, but he left all of it and he walked away, no turning back. Now he says, behold, we have left our own homes and followed you. The Greek word for followed means to join. It means to cleave steadfastly to, to join and to walk his road, to, to cleave on to him and to walk his road with him, to go the path that he is going. I want you to think about that for just a second. What what Jesus asked the rich young ruler to do to leave that false hope, to leave that false system and to put his faith in him, what he asked the rich young ruler to do, Peter could say, Lord, we did it. Lord, we did it. We left it all and we followed you. That's what he says. Lord, we left it all, our own, all of it. We left it. We followed you. Verse 29. And he said to them, truly I say to you, Jesus is speaking, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. I want you to see this in verse 29. Jesus knows what they left. Jesus knows what it cost. Jesus knows what it is that they set down. He knows what it is that they have surrendered in order to follow him. Let me say this. God doesn't take anything away from us, not in this context. God doesn't take anything away from us. He asks us and he allows us to give it up or to give it over, to surrender it to him. He doesn't come and say, you know what, your boats are gone, your nets are gone, and you're going to be removed from your family, and I've snatched you out of this. He doesn't do that. He asks and he allows them to give it up and to give it over and to surrender it to him. Friends, that's true worship. That's what true worship is. 
And just like that rich young ruler walked away, do you know Peter could have also, he could have walked away. He didn't have to go that way. You know what, John could have walked away. He could have gone the other way. He didn't have to do that. Andrew could have gone the other way. But Peter said, Lord, we left it all and we followed you. It is in true worship. Verse 29 again, and he said to them, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much. Many, many times as much. Another gospel account says a hundredfold as much. Who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. Listen, Jesus says, there is not one who having left those things will not but receive many, many, many times as much as what they have left. That's what Jesus says here. There's not one that's left those things who will not receive many, many, many times, a hundredfold what it is that they have left. Now, there's a few things to get clear. The first is this, and we need to be sure. This is the perspective that we need. It's all a matter of perspective. This is the perspective that we need. This is the perspective that we need to have, and this is the perspective that we need to uphold, and this is the perspective that we need to encourage each other with. And so listen, get this. The promise from the mouth of Jesus is discipleship is hard. Discipleship is costly. But the promise from the mouth of Jesus is, but what we gain far outweighs what it is that we could ever give up. Now hear that again, I'm talking to myself. Discipleship is hard, it is costly, but Jesus says what we gain far outweighs what it is that we could ever give up. That is what Jesus is telling us. Praise God for that. Notice what it says. Who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. Now stay with me. Having left these things, they will receive many times more at this time. At this time, that is now, at this time, and in the age to come, eternal life. These two things are linked together at this time now and in the age to come, eternal life. Now, what can this mean? It means as you join God's family by faith in Jesus Christ, as you take up his cause in obedience, as you then exist as one of his people, as you walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ in faith, what it means is, friend, if you thought you had a home before, now you truly have a home. If you thought you had a family before, now you truly have a family, the family of God. If you thought you had a purpose before, if you thought you had a reason to get up, now you've got a purpose. 
If you thought you had a future before and you thought your future was bright, no, that wasn't a great future. You now have a future with Jesus in glory. If you thought that was living and you thought that was life, you've been wrong. This is living and this is life, not just a life, but eternal life. And that's what Jesus says. You thought you had a home, now you have a home. You thought you had a family, you're part of the family of God. And that is the promise of Jesus. I, most of you know, grew up on a farm. And I'll just be honest, I loved it. Love everything about it. I got out of school in 1994, got out of tech, and I came home to farm, and I loved it. I love everything about it. One of my farms, I'm the fifth generation to farm one of those places. And there's just something about it, and I don't know if I can explain it, but maybe it's just, it's just built into you. Some of you will know what I'm talking about, but there's just something to be being a farmer and it's built into you and I love to be outside and I'll just tell you I love the smell of dirt when I plow I love to watch cotton grow and I love to strip cotton I, I would love to strip cotton and come in and you, you pull in there and you dump that basket and you start to set that basket in you, you turn out to go back out and get another round get another load love to bale hay nothing better than to watch the sun come up over trailers of, of baled hay and, and, and remember what it smells like. I love to bale hay. Love to turn cows in on wheat for the first time. Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about. You open the gate and they run to the gate and they hesitate in the gate and then they run through the gate and, and they shoot through the gate and then they stop and they eat a bite and then they run again. And they stop and they eat a bite and they run again. They're looking back to make sure you're not going to try to put them back in the gate. I love that. I love to change the bearing on a disc plow when it's out. Even a bad day is a good day. Twelve years ago, God called me off of my farm. He had a different plan. He had this plan. I said that I was going to be very real with you, very honest. The last couple of years have been hard for me, for Carrie. They've been tough. Some of the things have been very tough. Carrie and I have a running joke. She thinks it's a joke. But she has to watch out the windows in the morning when I leave to see which way I turn at the end of the driveway. And she knows if I turn right, I go to the church. And if I turn left, I tell her I'm going back to farming. So she looks out the window as I drive off and, and I tell her one of these days I'm turning left, one of these days I'm, I'm gonna turn left. It's not worth it, it's, it's too costly, it hurts too much, nobody can take this much and one of these times I'm gonna come out of here and I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn left. Truth is this, he called me away from there and he called me to here. And I've realized this. I've got nothing left to go back to. Not that matters, not that's eternal, not that would be in God's will for me. There's nothing left 
for me to go back to. And oh, maybe someday I'd like to think I would, but I have nothing left there to go back to. This is what God has called me to. And Peter said, behold, we have left one's own Jesus, Lord, and we have followed you. John chapter six, Jesus says to the disciples, do you also want to go away? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where would we go? That song played in my head all week long. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. That's our perspective. As followers of Jesus Christ, that is our hope. That is our perspective. That is what we embrace as followers of Jesus Christ. What we have in Jesus Christ far outweighs what it is we ever walked off from. And he will bless it and he will sustain us. And together we'll be with him in eternity. That's our perspective. Let's pray. Dear me, Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for a gracious and kind Savior. I'm thankful for grace extended to sinners, those who rebel and turn against you. I'm thankful that you love us. I'm thankful that you show us that love through the cross of Calvary, that there your blood stained the cross, that I might be forgiven, that I might be restored that I might have eternal life, but in the meantime, that I could join your cause, that we could join your cause, and we could bring glory to you. Lord, I love you. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, I pray now is our time of invitation. I pray that if you're speaking to some, I pray that you would move in their hearts. I pray that the, the words that have been spoken, the truth of your word, would convict and lead, and I pray that, that our pride would be pushed down, and we would step out, and we would make decisions that honor you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name.